a new series of messages today uh, we're calling this series of messages running in circles and uh, we are going to be running in circles for the next month uh, as we talk about relationships uh, February is is called the month of love um, whether you feel that love or not that's what they call it right so uh, here we are in February and uh, we're, we're looking forward to what God has to say through us through this series um, if you got your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Acts today, and, and we're going to go to 1 John. So you can go ahead and, and go to Acts chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 1, and if you want to just put, your, put a note there or a bookmark there, and uh, we'll come back to that in just a few minutes. Now, Harvard University uh, has done one of the longest studies ever done, ever conducted, uh, and it has stretched over 75 years, a study done over 75 years. Uh, they started this study back in the 1930s. I think it started in uh, 1939. And um, what they did was they began to study 724 men. Um, uh, they had two groups of men that they, uh, that they studied. So one group were sophomores at Harvard College in, in the 30s. And this other group was a group of young boys from the poorest neighborhood in Boston. And they began to study the lives of these young men and began to track with them. And it, and it took, it's taken 75 years. Actually, that study uh, up to 2016 was still going on uh, with the men who were still alive. And so they have tracked with these men. Uh, they looked at their lifestyle. They looked at uh, their education. They looked at their upbringings. They have done the study. They, they did MRIs on them. Just every year they would come back and they would ask them a series of questions about how their life is, what, what's going on, how, what, what kind of things have they had transpire, what, what uh, kind of uh, health issues they may have. And what they found was that uh, there were men who uh, climbed from the poorest neighborhoods and made it to the tops of society. They became some of the wealthiest people. And then they had some of the men went the opposite way. They went from being uh, wealthy to being uh, just destitute and uh, varying degrees of success uh, in these men. And so this study has tracked and tracked and tracked. And I heard this guy, the guy who uh, is in charge of this study now. His name is Robert Waldinger. Now, that is a great name for a baseball player, Robert Waldinger. I thought about it. I was like, dude, that's awesome, right? But Robert Waldinger, uh, he is a, a doctor, a medical doctor, and he's a professor at, uh, at Harvard University. And um, he wrote a book. He, I think I've got a, we've got a picture of him. He wrote a book, and the book that he wrote was The Good Life. Now, I came across a video that he did um, he did a TED Talk, and this is kind of where I did this. And uh, actually, uh, Tony Green is the one that sent it to me, and uh, I was just amazed after I watched this this TED Talk uh, about the study that they've conducted over this number of years. And so, what uh, Dr. Waldinger said, though, in this uh, this video, basically, he said this. He says, uh, "Good relationships. What they found after everything that they studied, what really came down and made the difference was good relationships." kept us happier and healthier that's what they found that these men that they have gone through now they're 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 old and they're in their 90s some of them um and that they have looked back at everything that they have done everything that they have 
had transpired in their life and what they found was that good relationships was, was one of the things that just kept them happier and healthier. And I think that's amazing. When we look at what relationships do for us. Now, maybe you can think about a relationship right now that has done the opposite for you, right? You might be thinking about someone who stressed you out, right? Um, but when we have relationships that are good relationships, when we have relationships that are encouraging, when we have relationships that we have people who we know that we can lean on, people who stand with us, people who, when we are stressed out, we can go to them, you know, and they're a place to vent or they're a place for us to find encouragement and strength. Um, that's immensely beneficial. Th- those are things that sometimes I think we don't take into account how that affects us. And so I want us to talk about that today. I want us to begin to look at this. And I want to read one more quote from Robert Waldinger. This is what he said in his book. This is the st- after they came through the study. He says, we thought that good relationships would make us happier. That they th- good relationships, that's great. You need a relationship to make you happy. We thought that good relationships would make us happier. But we were really surprised by the fact that relationships actually predicted who would live longer and who would grow old in a healthier way that the people who had the mo- had more relationships and better relationships stayed healthy longer and lived longer. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Just, just the fact that they looked at the benefit of healthy relationships and what that did to us physically. And so I don't believe that that is a coincidence. I don't believe that uh, it's a coincidence that Harvard has come across a study because we can go back to Scripture and uh, Jesus has talked a lot about the relationships that we had. Actually, uh, Scripture, if you go through uh, what God has told us in the Old Testament and, and showed us and revealed to us about the nature of relationships and what relationships do for us and to us and, and how that affects us and the world around us, it shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? For us, we have been tracking with this for a long time. And so I want us to look at this today. We need people. We need other people. Right now, I know sometimes you think I don't need anybody. Um, I th- think there was an old song I remember. I don't need anybody. Right? I, I don't need nobody. Nobody. Right? And so, when I look at scripture and I, and it and and it talks about relationships in such a, a variety of different ways, and and it doesn't just talk about good relationships because it does. We do see a lot of dysfunctional relationships. We do see a lot of dysfunction in the relationships in the early patriarchs, uh, things that they got into. And so I think it, it is a, it's a clue into us to say, listen, relationships matter. And, and the relationships that you build are hugely important, and we need people. Now, social media, the advent of social media, and we talk about being connected online, and we talk about online communities. And the thing about social media is this. Social media is uh, an important tool, I believe, um, but social media isn't equipped to build community. Although we, we use the terms online community, social media is equipped to help us communicate. Social media is not equipped to help us build true community. Social media helps us communicate, but it doesn't really help us build community. Um, and actually what social media does, many times social media will only amplify what's already there. So if you're depressed, social media can help amplify the depression. If if you're already angry, social media can help amplify the anger that's already there. 
whatever is already going on, a lot of times that's what social media does, is it doesn't help you build community. Community, It just makes it seem bigger what's already going on. And so for social media, we have to think, all right, that's, it's a great tool, but it is not the place where we need to be building community. Community has to be done uh, really with one-on-one. It has to be done in, in relationship face-to-face. And so that's what I want us to look at. Um, we came through COVID, and, um, you know, we, we had terms like social distancing, and, and we look at the effects that that has had on our society. There are many who haven't come out of that yet. There are many who are still feeling and reeling from the effects of isolation, and we look at what that did to children. And, and so isolation, it can be detrimental to us. Isolation can be detrimental to our health. Anybody, you believe that? I mean, think about this. They have a thing called solitary confinement in prison. And it's not because it's a reward for being really, really good, right? They put you in solitary confinement because it's a punishment. You're already in prison, so you're going to go to even a, a greater prison inside the prison called solitary confinement. And, and you think about that, that is, that is a detriment. And isolation is detrimental us and God has created us for relationships and we are hardwired at birth for relationships if whether you believe that or not you are hardwired by God pre-wired by God to have relationships and have relationships that can be strong relationships that can be healthy relationships that can be growing and cultivating a, a one another attitude and we see that in scripture and so it's, it's kind of like this. I, I, bought a, I bought a truck a few, 2019, I bought a truck. When I bought this truck, I was looking for everything that I wanted on it. I was like, man, this is great. This, this is the nicest truck that I've ever owned up to this point, you know. I've had little, little uh, you know, just not so great trucks, and, and they, they would limp along. But finally, I got me a good truck. And I got that truck home, and I realized there was one thing I didn't ask about on that truck. And I said, this truck doesn't have a backup camera, Right. And how many of you know you just want a backup camera on your truck, especially if you're backing up to a trailer, it just helps. And I thought about that. I said, man, how did I, how did I buy a truck, spend all that money on a truck that did not have a backup camera? And what I did was I began to do a little bit of research and found that Ram actually builds in, they, they pre-wire all their trucks so that you can install that backup camera. So all I had to do was take it down to Dodge, and what they did is they popped the camera in on the tailgate, and they, they uh, zapped my, uh, there's a different term for it, but they, they zapped my, my radio and made it work to where when I started backing up, now I can see where, uh, where I'm backing up to because it was already hardwired. It was already pre-wired, and we're like that. God has pre-wired every one of us to have relationships and have good relationships, but relationships are a choice. Relationships are a choice. You can pull people to you or you can push people away. And, and so you get a choice in this. And so we talk about community and we talk about online communities, social communities. We talk about even in church, we talk about faith communities, that this would be considered a faith community. Many times a church service is called a community of faith. But that's not always the case. You and I both know this. Uh, just because we share the same space uh, doesn't mean that community is actually taking place, right? Just because we sit in the same room doesn't mean that we're connecting in community. And, and so for every one of us, we understand that we can be in a room full of people and still feel all alone. How many of you have ever been there? 
I have. I have felt like that before. been in a room full of people, and I have still felt all along because I have no connections with anyone. I didn't have much in common with anybody else. And, and so it, it doesn't matter that you are in a group of people. You could still be all alone in the middle of that group. So just because we share the same space doesn't mean that community is taking place. So what does true community look like? What does community look like? When we talk about this in this series, talking about, we're calling it running in circles, and what circles do you run in, you know? Uh, what's, what's that circle of people that you have? And it's almost like this, this graphic up here is concentric circles. You have a circle inside of a circle inside, and, and so there are people who are kind of on the periphery of your life, you know, but as you move to those people who are more core to you, um, those are the deeper relationships. Those are the relationships that maybe when they say something, it, it, has, it carries more weight, right? Um, there are some people that look at me and say, man, you just don't look great today. I'm thinking, well, it's all right. I don't even know who you are, buddy, but you can go on. But if my wife gets up and looks at me and says, man, you just don't look great today, I'm like, what, what do you think? I mean, <laughs> you know, that means a lot more to me uh, than someone who's on the outer edge of my circles, right? And so um, when we think about the community that is built, we think about faith and we think about church and we think about just the circles that we run in, just because we're in a group of people doesn't mean that we are connecting in community. And so what does that look like? And I want us to go this morning, I want us to go to the book of Acts. Because last week, you heard us talk about this phrase. We used a phrase, uh, and I want to give it to you real quick before I read that scripture. And this phrase that we used, circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. And what does that mean? What, when we talk about that, we talked about life group launch and getting together in circles. Who is in your circle that we think that life groups are important? Not because there's anything magic about it, because there's something about when we get together in relationships that are authentic and it's intentional. That it's just not by accident that we're in this group, but we're intent on being in a group for the purpose of growth and encouragement and, and building each other up, one another. That's the one another's that we see in Scripture. And so what does community look like? And we've, we've started with a statement, circles are better than rows. So how does that look in Scripture? Let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 for a Pentecostal church, usually we're talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and as, as a kid in a Pentecostal church, it, we, we read the front part of Acts chapter 2. We never really got down to the last part of Acts chapter 2, which I think is really important as well. This last part of Acts chapter 2 is just as important as, this, as, as the front part. And so when we get down to Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42, this is what we find. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. I want you to get that. Now, that's not, a, that's not a word that we use outside of church much, right? You don't go probably in your, your business or the company that you work for. Y'all probably have all kinds of departments, but you probably don't have a fellowship hall, right? Anybody? I don't, I've never gone to a public school and found a fellowship hall. I found a cafeteria. I found, you know, I found a library, but the only place that you find the fellowship hall is usually where? <coughs> Churches, right? And because it's a very churchy term, right? Felt this word fellowship. What does that mean? And so it goes on. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Come on, somebody. We like breaking bread around here. We, we like breaking bread and cutting steak. And, and the prayers, breaking bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I want to just say this. This is not socialism, okay? <laughs> this is not socialism. They made a choice. They weren't forced into this. This was out of a, a heart of gratitude and generosity uh, that they wanted to help each other, which is a good thing. And all, believed, uh, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need, as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread. There we go. That's important. We talk about, uh, we talk about food a lot here. But just in this passage, they broke bread twice, right? And together they're breaking bread. Where? In their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number uh, day by day those who were being saved. And, and I love this. I love what this shows because in Acts chapter 2, we get a peek into the first century world of the early church. And, and what do you notice about this passage? When we read this passage, what do you notice? First, they were devoted to what? They were devoted to two things. They were devoted to teaching and they were devoted to what? Fellowship. They were devoted to teaching, and they were devoted to fellowship. They devoted themselves to teaching, which is rows. That's what we're talking about. Circles are better than rows. And when we talk about rows, right now you guys are seated in rows. In rows, you, you look at the back of somebody's head, right? Unless you're sitting on the front row, then everybody's looking at the back of your head. So all you front row people, you can feel really self-conscious right now, right? But, but you're seated in rows right now, and in rows... This is what happens. We, um, we learn in rows. We learn in rows. And we listen in rows. If you go to school, a lot of times it is set up in a classroom in rows because what we want you to do is we, we want you to learn and we want you to listen. And what we say is this. We say, hey, listen up. Listen up. And that's what I'll t I've said that before right here on, on, this, on this stage. I'll say, hey, listen up. I want you to hear me, hear what I'm saying because right now you're seated in rows and I want you to learn. I want you to learn something. I want you to get something. I want you to listen. But when we listen in rows, I got to think, what are they doing in circles? That's fellowship because they devoted themselves to learning and they devoted themselves to fellowship, and that's circles. And so we live in circles. In circles, when we, when we circle up and we get together and we have people that we're confiding in, we have people that, hey, I need you to listen to this, or I need to celebrate something with you. What do you want to do? You get together, right? We do this, and we live in circles. We listen in rows, and we live in circles. We learn in rows, but it's in circles that you begin to really do life. In circles, it's where we want you to speak up. And we say, hey, listen, I want you to listen up in a row, but in a circle, when we get together, I need to hear from you. You need to hear from me. There needs to be this exchange of ideas, this exchange of, of relationship, this exchange of uh, just being able to say, hey, what you're saying matters and who you are matters to me. And so in circles, we're saying, hey, we need you to speak up. In rows, we want you to listen up, but in circles, we need you to speak up. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. When I began to look at how... Um, People studied Torah, and Torah is, uh, is what we consider uh, the Old Testament, really the first five books of the Old Testament, but it can be the entire Old Testament. And, and so they have this system of study in, uh, in, in Jewish life, and I didn't realize this, but it, it's called Havarutu, Havarutu. Havarutu, it means studying in pairs, and so 
you don't really find um, the study of Torah that is that is supposed to be done just individual individually. They want you to do it in pairs. They want you to do it in groups. It's because that when we do this in groups, we we actually are able to challenge each other or share with each other. And what I have found is I love this. Um, and I have done this, but even before I knew what this was, I, I've done this with staff. I used to do this with Pastor Adam, me and Pastor Trent. We've done this before where we've kicked ideas around when we're looking at Scripture. And he said, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And this is what we do in, in life group when we're studying the Word of God, that we sit in a circle and we're going to talk about God's Word. We're going to talk about how does this come across to you? How do you see this? And so I've been blessed many times by hearing someone else's take on scripture and how that how it hits them and sometimes god has used the holy spirit has used um, them through the holy spirit just to speak to me and say wow i've never seen it that way wow i've never heard it that way and light bulb have you ever ever had that kind of conversation where a light bulb goes off when you're when you're sitting there and you're you're talking with someone it's like man i i have never seen that before i have read this passage time and time and time again but until someone pulls it out to you and helps you see that and that's part of the benefit that when we were able to do this in groups or even at least do it in pairs, um, that, that is very beneficial. But this other word that we find is this word fellowship, that we, they devoted themselves to learning Torah, they devoted themselves to teaching, and they also devoted themselves to fellowship. And this word fellowship, a little Greek word, it's not a, really a little Greek word, it's a, a kind of a longer Greek word called koinonia. And koinonia is this idea, koinonia is a close mutual relationship and a participation in life together you see that that's what koinonia is it's a close mutual relationship and a participation and to participate you actually have to act on it right now if if you're a participator you're acting on it if you're not a participator and you're just sitting on the sidelines watching what are you you a spectator we want you to be the right kind of tater in this scenario all right we want you to be a participator. We're calling you to be a participator and not just a spectator. You're not just called to come and sit on the rows and listen. You're actually invited to speak up, not just listen up. You're invited to speak up. You're invited to be part of the conversation. You have an invitation from God to say, I want you to be part of something deeper. I want you to be part of something that is healthy for you, not just healthy spiritually, but it's healthy for you even physically. When you have healthy relationships, it, it goes uh, body, soul, and spirit. It does an entire work. It does a wholesale work. And so this is this idea of koinonia that they devoted themselves to learning and they devoted themselves to fellowship. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, and this is what we find, 1 John. I'm just going to read it off the screen. You're trying to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there together. There we are. It says, uh, John wrote this. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship. We have koinonia, it's the same word. It says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his, his son, cleanses us from our sin. It sees, you see this connection? It does a wholesale work that we can have mutual connection, mutual relationships, close, con, uh, close relationships and participation with each other. And it says it touches you physically and it goes all the way down and touches you spiritually. So we walk in the light as he is in the light. Last thing I want to give you is this. I'm going to ask Pastor Trent to come play. You cannot grow spiritually 
unless you're connected relationally. You cannot grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally. I mean, that's just this. This is just what we find. This, this is the evidence in in God's word that we see that. And if if we're not growing, we said that the other day. If if something's not growing, something is dying. Right? When something stops growing, it begins to die. I heard Dr. Henry Cloud say that last night as I was watching the video. He was talking about relationships. And he says when, when things are growing, things are organic, they're growing, they're, they're healthy, that they're, they're having good growth. But when you stop growing, you begin to die. And so for us, if we say we exist to lead people into a what? A growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That means it just can't be you and Jesus. All I, I don't need anybody else. All I need is me and Jesus. Well, that's not how he set it up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break that to you. You say, well, I don't need anybody else. I just, I, just, I just need me and Jesus. He shaped you and he formed you. He breathed life into you. And he breathed life into you. And the life that he breathed into you was a life that is pre-wired and hardwired for connection. He says, this is healthy and this is good. Don't run from it. Don't isolate yourself. Don't push back. And I know that maybe, you know, you've been hurt. You know what? Maybe you've been hurt in church. I'm sorry. Maybe you've been hurt by a church leader. Maybe you've been hurt by a pastor. I'm sorry. But that doesn't change the fact that God has hardwired you and equipped you to have deep spiritual connections. And it can be scary. I tell you, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I promise you. I know you say, you're not much of an introvert because you're up here on stage. And before I got here, I was, I was very much an introvert. I'm still an introvert because I, I don't like... Crowds, and you'll see me. I'll gravitate sometimes off, and I just, I just kind of try to isolate myself. But I need relationship. I need relationship. You need relationship. And so that's why we do these things called life groups. And it's not a magic bullet. You know, it's it's not something. Hey, I joined a life group. You know, and, and two weeks later, my life is it's just different. It's just changed. It's, you know, no, actually, you may find that you join a life group and they make you mad. You may find out that that you you join up and it's like, well, man, that's just not. I I, 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 I didn't read God's word like that. I, I don't I don't I don't like kind of how they're presenting it. It's because what's happening is is growth. We're we're challenged when we, we grow. And you know the thing about this is, community is a choice. You have to choose. It doesn't happen by accident. You can meet someone on accident. But you can't have a relationship with them on accident. You, you were intentional about the relationship. When, when I met Raina, I, I met her in the parking lot of the music building at Lee University. And we had pulled in at the same time, and we were heading to class. And that was the first place that I met her. And it was by accident that we got there at the same time and had that moment together. But you know what? I liked that moment, and I wanted to have more moments like that, so I became intentional about trying to meet up with her. Right? And, and we've been doing that together for a long time just just making sure we're intentional about doing life together see you can accidentally meet someone but you have to intentionally be in relationship with someone and so relationships require work it's a choice and it requires intention on your part you have to continue to say today i choose to do it again today i choose to be challenged today i choose to you know what to operate um, or, or let God operate his, his, his work of grace in my life through this group, through these people. And you're coming. Hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. 
because I know you. I know what you want to do. Hang on just a second. And I'll give you just a minute.